That changed my life because uh, before I really was admitted to the uh, university, I never saw whatever the train was. I only knew sheep and cows, and so <laughs> that was totally a new life for me. And then I graduated from university. I was uh, because of the good score, I was able to have a teaching position. So I served in the education sector for nearly forty years. Point maybe several years ago, I had this you know suspicion questioning whether Gaokao is still the best system for China. But after that, I did some research, and I realized that so far Gaokao is still the best system. U.S. universities are now very dependent upon Chinese undergraduate students, not just graduate students. Before the epidemic, there was something like 370,000 Chinese students studying in the U.S., and the U.S. universities really want to get them back. You do need lots of students who are willing to forego the Gaokao and just concentrate on a, on a U.S. university, at least in the United States. The other is that the Gaokao, not the Gaokao itself, but the Chinese system that produces good students, makes them much more competitive. For the U.S. job market, in many ways, so this is something that students take into account when they get to the U.S. If they graduate from a college, they probably have an upper hand in getting a job over to some of the American students because they're better qualified in some way. The Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Welcome to the Chat Lounge. I'm Tian. A record number of Chinese students have taken the college entrance exams, which is also known as the Gaokao in China. And joining our chat on the annual test are Hanhua, board member of the China Forum Tsinghua University, Dr. Liu Baocheng, director of the Center for International Business Ethics at University of International Business and Economics, and David Moser, associate professor at Beijing. Capital Normal University. Well, it's been four and a half decades since China resumed its Gaokao.、Um, I'd like to start with、uh, Hanhua. What memories do you still have from back when you wrote the exam? Tell us about your most memorable moments. <laughs> Thank you, Tuying. Thank you for having me.、Mm-hmm. This is a very interesting topic, and、uh, every time this year, it will definitely remind me of the, some even beautiful and interesting memories of my own Gaokao and my experience in learning more about Gaokao after Gaokao in the, during these years.、Uh, first, in first some numbers because I took Gaokao in the 1990s in Shanghai, so that was very special because we in Shanghai took a different exam. We have different. Exam papers to take back then. I I know probably there are more provinces now have their individual exam papers. Is it right? I'm not so sure. But at that time, Shanghai was one of the few cities that can have their own examining examinations. So that's very different. I bet. But having said this, it's not. It, it does not mean that we will have a, some easier test. So still, the atmosphere at that time was very kind of competitive, making everyone very anxious. I was so lucky because my parents, at that time, they were most of my high school time. They were based overseas, so they made their efforts to come back to Shanghai to be with me, so that I can have a more relaxing mode to participate into the examination. So that was one of the most memorable moments for me, for myself. And、uh, at that time, I was told after Gaokao that、uh, only one in five students can get into the universities. That that was the number at that time back in 1990s. 
So it was still a very challenging examination, and it was certainly a precious opportunity for people who were able to get into university after Gaokao. So that was the number. The third one was that I myself, thanks to my parents and thanks to my high school, the examination we took, most of my fellow students, they were in a comparatively easy mode comparatively. So me, myself, the interesting result is that I ranked like the number one in math, which is my most vulnerable subject, but not that good in my English and the Chinese. But overall, I was like one of the first top uh, 100 students in Shanghai. So I was able to choose the university because we only need to fill the forms of like which university you want to get in after the examination. So that was like a little bit of privilege for Shanghai students. So at that time, I estimated that I can get a better score than my usual tests in the school. So I put my, you know, my dream school in, in my wish in this form. So that so these are some numbers and some moments that is the most memorable for me. <laughs> Thank you. And how would you say the Gaokao um, affected you yourself personally? Uh, certainly, you know, Gaokao, I think, uh, is the fairest, in my opinion, for, for people who want to have an uh, a future life who want to change their social status. And so certainly Gaokao uh, and the university education. And after that, I worked for several years and I continued to pursue my higher graduate degree. So that Gaokao is certainly, of course, the gateway, the, the key to the future career path, a professional life, the career path to open your world, to let you know uh, and to get a good job and then to develop from there. So Gaokao means a lot of things, even for today, after almost over 20 years. Gaokao is still the most important uh, game changer, I think, for most of the Chinese students when they already in their high school. We know that there is Zhongkao, meaning that after the junior high school, you need to take part into a mid-school examination. And at that point, you will choose whether you want to continue the higher education or you want to maybe continue the occupational education in China. But most students, especially after the one-child policy, I think most families, most parents still want their children to try this Gaokao and to try a higher education if there is a chance. This coupled with the development and the reform of having more universities in China, having bigger universities in China since the 1990s did give more Chinese young people more chances to get a higher education. And a higher education definitely means a lot and uh, the gate to their future development. Indeed. Um, how I just said, uh, Gaokao is some game changer. I bet, uh, Bao Cheng, you, you, you should have a lot to say about this. And back then, when you attended the Gaokao, the competition was fiercer than today, mm-hmm. right? Much fiercer. Well, uh, I lived through the tip of the Chinese Cultural Revolution, and there was no universities available uh, when I really attended the primary school. So, therefore, there was no plan to take the Gaokao, go to universities. Mm-hmm. And then when I entered into the junior high, uh, we suddenly found that's the uh, late 70s. Uh, there was the uh, Gaokao available, but uh, uh, I was not eligible. I have uh, three uh, uh, elder brothers, uh, because our 
family were classified as rich peasants. Politically, we were not eligible. So therefore, I stayed in the uh, junior high school for three more years uh, than was required, uh, simply to learn some other skills like painting and carpenting, uh, so that I could really have some skills to earn my life. And then gradually, uh, when the uh, type of household political structure was demolished, and then I earned the eligibility. So I took the test and then I uh, went to the top uh, high schools. And then very successfully, I was uh, on top of my uh, Herbie University to be enrolled in universities. But initially, I really wanted to join a uh, sort of an army university simply because they gave uh, free clothes. Uh, so that's I learned. You know, later on, the, my mentor and teacher said, well, because I had extremely high score, so I need to select what, in her mind, a better school. So there I picked uh, the uh, university in Beijing, which is the University of International Business and Economics. And then that changed my life because uh, before I really was admitted to the uh, university, I never saw what a train was. I only knew the sheep and cows, and so that was totally a new life for me. And then I graduated from university. I was, uh, because of the good score, I was able to have a teaching position. So I served in the education sector for nearly 40 years. So that's also where I met my wife, you know, who was uh, also from the same hometown. So. It's really uh, not only changing my own life, but it changed the life of my entire family uh, because uh, uh, we were subclass in the countryside. And uh, when I was uh, uh, there to be in the college, then the uh, more favorable opinion uh, earned towards my entire family. And so this is really a very uh, memorable moment. That's why I now uh, continue to see I set up, uh, you know, two new buildings for my elementary school uh, in the hometown when I managed some funds. And then, you know, I just wanted to pay back to the society and to help the hometown to grow more people uh, like me or exceeding me. Right. It brought back a lot of memories. And I am really touched hearing um, Bao Cheng's and Hanhua's story. I actually, I myself um, intended to get enrolled in some military college, but my height actually fell short of the requirement. So I got no other choice. And for me, I had been dreaming of not being able to finish answering uh, the Gaokao paper for quite a few years, even after after I graduated from university. And um Indeed, it's a life-changing event, not only for, for ourselves, but also for millions of Chinese over the past decades. And I also remember Huawei's founder and CEO, uh, Ren Zhengfei, once said, were it not been for the Gaokao, he would have been a pig breeder or a, a street uh, craftsman, and Huawei could have been um, non-existent. So David, as an American, can you imagine that, how an exam has you know, shaped generations or even a, a nation's development and future? Uh, yes, I can imagine that. I've sort of uh, been fortunate enough to witness that. I first came to China in the 80s, and uh, most of the people were of that, you know, first generation to, to be able to take the college entrance exam. And then I was teaching at uh, Chinese universities in the 90s, at Beiwai and other universities. So, um, you know, my feeling about the Gaokao is that 
you know, many foreigners have this uh, a stereotype notion of the Chinese educational system that it's uh, very uh, backward-looking, very traditional, very resistant to change, very conservative, and so on. But I have to say, from the time I came here till now, the Chinese education system, including the Gaokao, is one of the most dynamic and influx aspects of the Chinese economy, one of the most uh, changeable and uh, sort of radically innovative sector of the Chinese economy. Uh, and the Gaokao is a great example. I mean, uh, it was, as Ms. Han and Professor Liu have just recounted, you know, very, very competitive and, and very fiercely competitive at the beginning. Mm. But the Chinese educational system has grown. Uh, the, num the numbers of universities have grown. The, the test itself has been revised constantly, especially during the early 2000s. And it's almost a completely different system now. Uh, what's really in place is, is that it's still high pressure. It still is, despite its faults and its problems, really the only really fair solution to the problem of uh, getting so many people evaluated for a university career. Um, the other thing that I've noticed recently, because I've been for decades been talking to students about the Gaokao, and recently, a few years ago, with some of my Chinese students, I was asking them um, about the Gaokao, and I was expecting the usual complaint that, oh, it was horrible, it was our entire high school was spent you know, cramming for this test, and it was very stressful, and our parents gave us a lot of pressure and so forth. In fact, the students that I talked to said, they said, no, it was kind of a wonderful period in my life, because... Um, I felt a great sense of camaraderie and friendship with my fellow students, and we would study together, and it was kind of an adventure. It was hard on all of us, but we were together, and and then we took the test, and then we we parted our separate ways, and they all looked back on the situation with kind of a nostalgia and, you know, positive memories of that struggle. And uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's... Uh, the concept of the Gaokao has changed so much, really, since the end of the Cultural Revolution till now, that it's almost not the same thing. So that would be my evaluation. We're in a whole new world, although there's still it's still the test for the students and a gateway, as the, our guests have said. Yeah, uh, you just said a, a lot of us, your students are, are saying that it's one of their best memories, but it's probably because of the what we call uh, survivorship bias, is it? Because there are those <laughs> yeah. uh, who, who got passed. And, uh, but, but actually, <laughs> indeed, um, this system is, like David said, it's one of the most dynamic mechanisms uh, that the country can have. But actually, it's, um, it's not new because uh, we used to have this Koju system, uh, uh, which a lot of people would compare today's Gaokao with. And... Uh, uh, some people say it's, you know, it's a derivative of the Kuoju. But um, Bao Cheng, do you think it, that comparison is accurate? Well, uh, first of all, to respond to David's observation, it's that, uh, you know, this is very uh, psychologically popular that uh, for every success, all the hardship before the success turned out to be an asset. But if you fail, all the hardship you, uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, you have uh, gone through uh, are really something that's uh, a very painful memory. And so, you know, people, you yeah. ask those people who really successfully went to their dream universities, of course, you know, they thought, well, everything was so rewarding and deserving. So that's the situation. No pain, no gain. Uh, uh, right. Uh, right now, the issue is that uh, educational resources are still rather uh, scarce. I think, uh, you know, as an educator, I really deem it as a shame that uh, 
China as the second largest economy, our educational expenditure always stay even lower than the average of all developing countries. So therefore, the scarcity of uh, educational resources drive the tension into the uh, Gaokao and also the entire educational system. And uh, that makes the Gaokao more necessary because, you know, you need to have some sort of uh, simple but fair way of uh, convincing those who fail the test. The other is that uh, it is uh, uh, very unevenly distributed uh, because in the coastal areas, particularly in big cities like Beijing and Shanghai, there are more quality universities and uh, uh, then the Definitely, the local residents uh, will have quite an advantage. Uh, for example, you may speak Peking University, may select 800 candidates from Beijing, but less than 100 from other provinces. So this really caused a lot more complaint and unfairness. Now, uh, in order to camouflage this issue, they have uh, a sort of uh, differentiated test, but uh, the issue is not really resolved. Uh, the other is that uh, between the city and the rural area. So I came from the countryside, and at that time, you know, the uh, kids in cities and uh, in countryside didn't really have much of a difference in terms of educational resources. But nowadays, it makes a vast difference. And so, therefore, for the mobility of the poor regions, and particularly from the rural areas, uh, is getting tougher and tougher. And that really creates uh, more unfairness in this uh, entire system. So, you know, how we can really address such an issue? Because we are, well, actually all good universities are public run and uh, uh, universities actually have uh, little choice, but rather, you know, to have a unified and a uniform type of approach uh, to select students merely based on the scores uh, rather than the the full developed person, like uh, personal interest and critical thinking and all that combined and social activities, etc. So this is really a fair but a simple way, but that really is there also to dilute the uh, selection criteria to have a full developed person. The Chat Lounge. The Chat Lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Baozheng, I think the students are really lucky to have you um, in school to teach them because you have this um, uh, critical thinking and you've already elaborated on, um, you know, some issues we're going to cover in the latter part of the show. But um, compared with the um, the mother, if you will, of the system, uh, which was adopted in China for hundreds of years, you know, during the pre-industrial era, do you think the Gaokao system of today has actually evolved. Well, uh, the uh, legacy is very long. It, it traces back to the Sui Dynasty when uh, they adopted the uh, examination system. And uh, the examination content was uh, merely classics and also national governance strategy. And so, therefore, it's more in today's concept is the liberal arts. And uh, uh, in the early of uh, last century, there was uh, a wholesale type of uh, reform where we continue to adopt the classic, but uh, we adopt the Western type of examination system together with the university type of education. And uh, today it's really a combination of uh, uh, both of the Chinese tradition and also the Western type of uh, curricula. And so uh, that's why we're able 
to compare with the rest of the world in the educational system, and uh, we are able to streamline and also get accredited by the global accrediting uh, agencies. So uh, this is quite a milestone change. But uh, the difference still lies in that, uh, you know, students normally in the second year of the uh, senior high school, they have to uh, make a choice before they really know what is really their choice, because there are two tracks. You either you go for natural, natural science or you go for liberal arts. And uh, actually, you know, if we really want to develop the full knowledge for these people, and they need to have uh, more of the choices for a change, because kids do not really have a very stable interest before they see a more holistic way of the whole world and uh, their life. So, and this is really something that we can really have a change without significantly changing the entire system. And so my university actually is experimenting a new reform where students during the first two years, they have general studies, but uh, within these two years, they can shift their major, shift their concentration so that they can best fit into their interest and also their strengths. So this is something that we need to consider. The other is that uh, you know, whether universities are able to have transfer students and so that students can have more choices, more exposure to different type of education, different type of administration system. And this is also something that's uh, doable. And right now, uh, our experiment between, you know, several universities in, in mainland with uh, Hong Kong is a good one. And the joint venture and also the uh, collaborative uh, education between you know, Chinese universities and uh, many other universities around the world are still very uh, encouraging. Right now, I'm teaching a course together between my university with uh, Swiss University, with the German University, and also with the South African University, which turned out to be a huge success. So therefore, how we can really have more of the choices for students and have more choices for teachers in giving a more holistic exposure to students and uh, so that they can have a better view uh, because they can only make a wise decision after they see more of the entire picture. Mm. I bet uh, those who uh, who are listening to our show right now, if they are, you know, high school students, they would they would feel very anxious to get enrolled in in your university, Bao Chen, uh, the international yeah, the international, international right. business and economics. And uh, also, I would also encourage actually another good part. I I shouldn't really uh, give a sales pitch, but uh, we really set up a fund to ensure that all students, despite of their family background, they must have one at least one semester exposure to study abroad. Mm. Uh, so this this is something that uh, I really highly support on this uh, type of fund. Yeah, and those are for the students who who are lucky enough to get through this uh, national exams. But let's pull it a little bit back to, you know, uh, the Gaokao, which is the national college entrance exam itself. Um, Bao Chun just mentioned some um, flaws, such as, you know, the, the unevenly distributed um, teaching resources or the quota, uh, the enrollment quota for each provinces. But uh, Hanhua, do you think the Gaokao system or the mechanism is still the best China can adopt today? I, I know David has already said a lot of good things yeah. about it. Yes, I 
I think I appreciate what David said, and I appreciate his observations. Being an American, but also an American professor in Beijing, to observe a lot of the basics and essence of the alcohol system. So I really appreciate that, and I also admire、uh, Professor Liu's endeavor, not only for. His own personal experience as a student, as a teacher, but especially when you know he paid back to his hometown by building the schools, or you know contribute to a lot of students still based there to give them the opportunities, more opportunities. So I'm in awe.、Uh, Yes, at some point, maybe several years ago, maybe I had this you know suspicion and.、Uh, Hesitant about questioning whether Gaokao is still the best system for China, but after that, I did some research and I realized that so far Gaokao is still the best system, and probably Gaokao can, on one side, to improve on its own. There are still some flaws, as Professor Liu just mentioned, that Gaokao can improve better, can have its self evolution, and on the other side, Gaokao can be introduced. Maybe to some other countries as a system for the civil service system for a country. I know that in the past, Kuju was not a Chinese Kuju, but Kuju system was also developed in some、uh, Southeast Asian countries in particular. So that this kind of talent selection system to make sure that the elite, the social contributor, the government officials, they were selected only on merits. But not on some favoritism, or heredity, or some other so-called relationship. I think this is still the biggest and the best guarantee. This is a symbol of the social justice. So, on this regard, I think a Gaokao need to be maintained, but it can be reformed to a better stage. Mm, indeed, and let's move on to、um, you know this year's Gaokao, and、uh, we know the Gaokao used to be a make or break event for many Chinese, but today we've we've got a, a lot more you know channels towards a better future because、um, the Chinese society becomes increasingly diversified, and obviously the the enrollment rate has increased to more than ninety、um, percent from only five percent in back in nineteen seventy seven when it was.、Um, Uh, resumed, but David, why do you think we still have such an intense atmosphere out around the Gaokao? I don't know if you noticed that we've got some、um, parents worship Buddha or some teachers、uh, wearing chamsan to, to help relieve pressure from students because of wearing chamsan is supposed to be a good sign of、uh, succeeding at the first try. I don't recall my parents or, or teachers doing those things when I attended the exams. From your perspective, can you understand them? Well,、uh, yeah, I think these are only maybe new extremes. But as far as I can remember, there was always great pressure.、Uh, by the way, you mentioned the、uh, parents wearing the the chipao. I, I saw some photos of that, and it's both the mother and the father. So the father's wearing one too. And the mothers,、uh. they're both wearing chipao, and I immediately <laughs> sent those photos to my friends in the United States.、Uh, <laughs> What did they say? No, this is this is not transgenderism happening <laughs> to to the older generation in China. This is a superstition with the with the with a homonym twins, you know, with the chipao, wishing them luck, right?、Mm. But I remember in the old days, also by old days, I'm talking about the 1990s. There was also、uh, people would rent hotel rooms close. To the test venue, 
for their students, for their for their kids, and also they would try to get a room that had an auspicious room number, like you know eight 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 or six 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 or something like that. And uh, oh heavens, lots of different uh, things. Yes, uh, certainly you go to the uh, Confucius Temple over in Wudao, uh, what is it, the Wudaoyun Hutong or whatever that place near the uh, the Lama Temple. And you know every year before the tests, you know the parents would come and hang little notes on the trees there. So yeah, it's 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 very stressful. And yeah, I think I do understand it. And uh, the thing that I feel is that there's probably and I, there's been much discussion of this because of these recent words like Tang uh, Ping and these sorts of things with students just wanting to give up because of the pressure. I think that this is a kind of a mistake that China is trying to correct. And it's very hard to do because parents and students both see a graduation from an elite university as the only real guarantee of success in their career. But more and more, even a good degree from Tsinghua or Harvard or Harvard or, Be- or, or Beida, Peking University is not a guarantee that you'll get a good job because the job market is so stressful. So there are a few things that I think might alleviate the pressure. One is because a Chinese economy is so much stronger now, there are lots of families who are quite wealthy and with wealth comes a freedom to jump outside of the system. So um, last year I was teaching a group of Chinese students who were unable to go to the United States and and work on their undergraduate degree. We arranged some classes in conjunction with the American universities, could be taught and take classes for credit here in Beijing. And I was arranging that for them. And uh, I was sort of interested that most of these students, or many of them, had not prepared for the Gaokao. In other words, when they were in junior high, they already knew they weren't going to go through that system. They were going to go abroad for their undergraduate degree. So that's one sort of area where the tension gets released. And another is that I think China is moving now, and you all know better than I do about this, but moving more towards an emphasis on vocational education and, and pursuing uh, careers in uh, more practical, uh, less academic areas. So I think maybe those two things might be heading towards releasing some pressure on the Gaokao system. But as it is, it's still very high pressure. Mm. Bao Zheng, your say here? Well, I think one one thing we need to know that uh, even though you mentioned that uh, the enrollment is not uh, over ninety percent, actually that's really against those uh, applicants. But uh, you know, for teenagers of that age or young men like like, like uh, age, actually uh, there are more of those uh, who would like to go to university but are failed. Uh, actually, in the uh, junior high school, you can see that girls, boys, like you know, running on the roads and running in the restaurants. Uh, actually, they failed or even they gave up in the junkao in the in the transformation period between the junior versus the senior high schools. So that's something we uh, need to pay quite attention to. And uh, uh, you know, David mentioned about you know some other ways of uh, uh, relieving that. Only more affluent families, more informed families, can have that choice. And, you know, we have less than one million of the students who study overseas on a cumulative basis, but uh, that's only a small portion. And so much of the largest portion is still remaining to study uh, within China. And the reason that uh, people pray and do some other type of uh, wish work is uh, to have two indications. One is that uh, we have far less corruption in this one because otherwise they would really spend the money, spend the time to make more connections, to set up a more favorable selection criteria for their case, they cannot do so. So that's a very positive one. And the other is that uh, 
because it is really a, a dividing line between glory and horror. So therefore, you know, people just, you know, are on their highest nerves because uh, this takes only once a year and plus that uh, the education system does not really allow students to resit in the exam. So, which means, you know, it's a one lucky draw and you succeed or you fail. So therefore, people are not given more choices. Actually, just for that reason, I've seen uh, many more of the rural students failed. So 12 years ago, I launched a, a reseeding training program through a sort of foundation. And more of those kids, and by giving them a second chance to reset in the exam, and they have succeeded. So right now, I, I would calculate nearly 4,000 students uh, you know, through the reseeding program they succeeded into the interest exam. So therefore, if it's only one-time choice for life, of course, you know, people get so much so nervous. So you can see that the whole society are really, you know, getting so so anxious and so nervous about that. So that means that we need to give people more chances and more flexibility to pick and choose different type of exam so that, uh, you know, people will get more relaxed. When they are given more, more opportunities, the competitive intensity gets far reduced and the quality can also be increased. I don't know that students cannot reset the exams anymore. To my knowledge, I, I think it's allowed. It isn't? Yeah, actually, the uh, Ministry of Education has a red tape that uh, public schools do not allow to have uh, students to reset. So you can either go to private high schools or uh, you can run it through a foundation. And this is something that's uh, permissible because the mainstay in this uh, entire system are public high schools. And therefore, uh, kids who have uh, less money, less support from the family will be put out and they will never do a reset uh, by themselves. So that's why we set up the foundation to support those poor kids who failed, but who still wanted to go to universities, but the family does not really want to support. And therefore, and this is really a target group we helped. Actually, we helped very successfully. Mm, that's a good complementary to this uh, Gaokao system, I, I really think. And uh, Hanhua? Right. I think back in 1990s, the time when I took Gaokao, I think there weren't so many channels or avenues for people, especially for students who have been through the high school I mean, the middle school and the high school education. So the only way, the limited way for them is to go through Gaokao. So I remember clearly one of my parents, they want to, you know, lift the pressure on me regarding, you know, whether I feared I would fail by saying that, oh, don't worry, because if you failed, then you can go abroad. So going abroad at that time was not a natural or the first choice for students. Only people regarded as you fail Gaokao, so you go abroad to have some alternative solutions. But the people, elites who went abroad at that time was like after Gaokao, after uh, the undergraduate education, and then you go abroad, you go for a higher graduate study for PhDs, for example. So even though at that time, I want to say that we still had some channels, some alternatives compared to Gaokao. But Gaokao was the main. And the, for many people, like Professor Liu said, for many students, the only way, the only channel to change the social status, to get a better job, to get climb a social ladder, a ladder or something. But now, 
Moscow call certainly is still the major avenue, but、uh, certainly, like David pointed out, there are a lot of parallel avenues compared to Gaokao. You can choose after primary school, after junior high, or after high school which avenue you want to take. You can go abroad. For some families, they don't want this kind of domestic competition, and、uh, you can choose to have some other opportunities. And you can even have a gap year or two before you can go back to Gaokao through some other development avenues. So certainly, people nowadays have more choices. Having said this, why people are still feeling so much pressure from、mm-hmm. Gaokao? People are evolving at the same time. Back in the nineteen nineties, it was the parents who rented the hotel, or who gave the students other options or other. Other ways and measures to relieve from the pressure. Nowadays, it was Qipao and some other methods to do that. But、uh, on one side, China is booming with its economic development for the past forty years after reform and opening up. But the job market these days, especially this during the past two to three days because of the pandemic. Well, people are still concerning about the future development economically, socially. So they put a lot of pressure for students on themselves, but for parents on their children. Even though there are more and more universities, especially for those quite elite universities like Professor Liu's universities, can provide a lot of choices for students to choose between a certain major or a liberal arts education in the undergraduate、uh, time. But still, for many, many in the rural areas, Gaokao is still their only choice to get into the society in a more serious way and in a more affluent manner. So, the society, the parents, and the, any adults around the students will give certain pressure on this student. So that's why I think、uh, on one side there are a lot of choices, but on the other side. There is this this word called the nature involution versus evolution. So meaning that when the society grows to a certain period of time, if it cannot keep the robustic growth, how can we increase the quality of development rather than the quantity of the growth? So on、um, with regard to Gaokao, we still need to see whether we can help evolve Gaokao. Into a more mature system. Even Gaokao means taking college entrance examination. Whether the educational departments, the administration department, can help revise or reform Gaokao system to give students a lot of choices before, during, and after Gaokao, so that people will be really relieved. But still, this is a good tradition of Chinese culture to keep learning. Not only for Gaokao, but for the whole life. The chat lounge. The chat lounge unpacks views and opinions on hot issues in a more casual way. Talking about the pandemic, I'm not sure whether Baojun and David, you got this concern that、um, you know the academic performance of this year's high school graduates might. Be not that good as their predecessors, if you will, because、um, they were taking online courses for three years. And、uh, David, 
Do you have any concern there? I certainly do, and I would guess that Professor Leo does as well. Uh, I've been teaching online the whole semester. My daughter, who just graduated from SUNY College in New York, also spent the last two years at least for most of her classes online. And my brother also teaches at the Massachusetts College of Art and has been teaching online. It, the quality of education suffers a great deal. And uh, you simply cannot carry out some of the educational agendas that you used to be able to. But also, I think the bigger problem, really, for some of these children, kids, adults, <laughs> you know, young adults, is that the stress and, and the trauma of being away from their friends, their family, I mean, it's, it's caused an incalculable toll all over the world. And same is true in China, same is true in the United States. I almost worry more about that. I would wonder what uh, Professor Liu would have to say about this. Well, there are two dimensions to it. For the uh, success rate of Gaokao, there's minimum impact because, you know, the everyone is facing the same situation. And then this is a really competitive environment. You see universities only, you know, select the highest among the, all the DOFs. So uh, that's not really a big impact. But of course, you know, uh, once they enter into college, that's something we are really concerned because, you know, as David mentioned, that we have been teaching online and, uh, uh, actually for uh, some students for three years, they have not really appeared on the campus. Uh, you know, uh, they only receive on the online education and that's uh, the quality is substantially discounted despite of our efforts of the faculties. Uh, then, you know, once they, it's really quite a sort of embarrassment when they begin to start the first semester as a freshman and they found that, well, you know, where is my university? They didn't even set foot on the campus. Uh, particularly for some of the foreign students, you know, we have recruited some foreign students. I have for three years, and you know, even some of them are applying for education, and we have not even seen their face, and some have really dropped out. So uh, these are really something that's uh, very demanding on the faculty because we need to work together to find new ways to create a more effective type of teaching through this one. Actually, the worst victims are really the students who cannot really appear on the campus despite of all their success and, all, and also their joy in uh, succeeding in the interest exam to go to a good university. Indeed, that's that's really difficult. Um, yeah, we've touched upon Gaokao's um, significance for this nation. Actually, it's also meaningful, I think, uh, for other countries, especially those in the West, because every year, you know, a considerable proportion of Chinese university graduates. Obviously, it's some extensive part of China's Gaokao system. Those university graduates w would choose to go abroad to further their education. Like um, Han just mentioned, it's for high school graduates. But for those who have already succeeded in Gaokao and then finished their four-year education or probably master degree uh, here in China, they would want to further their education overseas. And uh, China's Gaokao system actually contributed, if you will, to those uh, countries' economy. So David, what, what's your interpretation of this, of China's Gaokao significance, international significance here? Yes, well, uh, the, you know, one thing is that the U.S. universities are now very dependent upon Chinese undergraduate students, not just graduate students. And uh, mm -hmm. before the epidemic, there was something like 370,000 students, Chinese students studying in the U.S., and the U.S. universities really want to get them back. Um, so you do need uh, lots of students who are willing to forego the Gaokao and just concentrate on a, on a U.S. university, at least in the United States. The other is that the Gaokao, the, not the Gaokao itself, but the Chinese system, 
that produces good students makes them much more competitive for the U.S. job market in many ways. So this is something that students take into account when they get to the U.S. If they get if they graduate from a college, they probably have an upper hand in getting a job over to some of the American students because they're better qualified in some ways. Mm. But that's my short answer to the to a complicated question. Yeah, a lot of、uh, Chinese、uh, students or graduates. After they, you know, finish their further education overseas, many of them, I would pick, like, you know, Tsinghua and Peking universities graduates, many of them,、um, not willing to come back to to China, and、uh, I've got this、uh, data that about eighty percent of the graduates don't come back. So Hanhua, you're now with Tsinghua University. So what's behind such a phenomenon? I'm not being a nationalist,、uh, but that that's a real, you know, big loss for sure, of talent sure, for the country.、Yeah. I try to be short as well. Actually, I'm a Peking University alumni, <laughs> working in Tsinghua University,、uh-huh. in the think tank for Tsinghua University.、Right. But、uh, being in Beijing University was a joint program、uh, set up by Peking University and Fordham University in New York City. So it was a joint MBA program. And my undergraduate study was finished in Shanghai, as I mentioned. So I was transferred from Peking to Fordham for the second year of MBA study. And my my tutor told me that、uh, if you survived in New York in in Big Apple, you can survive everywhere. And for our discussion today, I can't help but but mentioning that if you can survive Gaokao like we did, Professor Liu did, I did, Tuyun did, I think. We can we can survive. Not only survive, we can strive because Gaokao, the spirit <laughs> Gaokao, can really helped a lot in every areas of our life work. And so, speaking of those students who don't want to come back for the time being, I can only say for the time being because people change. The first year after my graduation, I stayed in New York City because I got a decent job, and I love that job. But then I was given the chance of moving back, representing my American company, to be based in Beijing. So that was a thrilling news for me because I want to come back. I don't see a big difference. So I think it's more about the personal choices. And as long as Gaokao, as well as the continuing the supporting system, the social environment, the people's development, the system, the the macro system can be better. I think people can just be mobile. Be in in China or world or other other places in the world. So it's a natural choice, depending on the personal interests and the personal choices. So I think down the road we can see a lot of coming back, but still a lot of going abroad. I'm not really joining those people who really blame the, uh, uh, their choices because they make their own rational choices. That's true.、Uh, for example, you know, I yeah, I come、uh, I come from the rural town of.、Uh, Uh, Hebei province to study in Beijing. I choose to to stay in Beijing with,、uh, without returning to the hometown. But I I've done far more than being a farmer、uh, in my home. So therefore, as long as they are given the opportunity to contribute, they will do that. But otherwise, this is a very rational choice they are making with their feet. Yeah, call me narrow-minded, but I do hope that those, especially those majored in science and technology, you know, we need a lot of talent for development of, of、uh, chips, which is, you know, quite fiercely competitive when it comes to its design and development、um, internationally. So, Bao Cheng, you said it's it's not a big problem, but from China's perspective, do you think、uh, the country needs to do anything or? 
uh, any measures need to be taken to attract more talents back to China? Well, it's not really what China wants. It's really how these people want. You know, uh, you know, they want the, of course, a decent life uh, with a better pay and uh, with a more supportive uh, labs, with more supportive teams. Do we have that? You know, uh, in a Gaokao, we have very high score for biology, but uh, for biology students, they do not really find any decent job within China. Then in in America, they collect ninety four percent of the doctors in the uh, biology from all over the world because. They gave them the right type of、uh, living environment, work environment, and sense of achievement. So there's nothing wrong with that. And of course, to pay back to China, and、uh, they can do it anywhere. They may not really have to get hurdled within the Chinese territory, but they can do far more. And therefore, if you look back for all the you know Chinese students who study overseas, you know either in the United States or in Russia or in、uh, France. There are people who stay. There are people who return, but all of them bring fresh ideas through different type of network, and that really helped China to grow a lot. So, without you know their exposure, without their work experience overseas, and without their continued mesmerization into the Western type of uh, uh, culture and technological environment, and the, China wouldn't really、uh, have benefited such a great deal. And To make our economy to grow as strong and as staunch as today. Yeah, but I, I bet、uh, people like Chen Shuixun would not agree with you.、Uh, you know, father of、uh, of China's nuclear industry, right? Yeah. So you know, they uh, you uh, they are now、uh, most of them, I should say, are eagles. If you do not give the right the right type of space to fly. And turn them into chickens. That's a shame on yourself, and also that's a you know unfair treatment to those eagles. So that's why I'm very thankful to to Deng Xiaoping who made a pledge to this bunch of、mm. students, and you can be there in the United States or in England or in anywhere, and then you can come and visit and work with China, and you can come back and forth、uh, for free. So that's something that's uh, uh, very inclusive and very tolerable to these people, and this actually makes them more motivated to contribute to China because they all have a sort of、uh, patriotism. But、uh, there are different avenues that、uh, they pay for that. So,、uh, and right now you can see the Huawei and many other companies and Lenovo, etc. They are spreading around the world, and they need to hire people who have. Very strong local experience and very strong local knowledge. So then they join team. When China is getting more and more globalized, it's not really where you sit, or it's not even where is your nationality. But as long as they are working、uh, happily together with China and contributing to China's growth, and this is really、uh, needs to be respected. And David,、uh, though you, you are now working in China, your home country, the United States, is really good at attracting talents from around the world. Probably you can share with us some、uh, suggestion.、Um, what has、uh, the U.S. done to attract so many talented people? Well, as Professor Liu said, they provide a, a good environment for the technical work, for scientific achievements, and all these sorts of things. You know, I talk a lot with my Chinese friends about this, and the ones who have gone overseas. And you know, one of the reasons is you know China is expanding, the economy is booming, they've improved in all sorts of ways, but there's still this problem with China has a lot of people. <laughs> That's this is the long-standing problem with China. It has a huge population, and all those. 
people in China are competing for the same jobs and the same opportunities. The United States has fewer people. It has more space. It has more small towns with almost, you know, very low population and lots of opportunities to expand. So, I mean, I don't blame Chinese people, young people either. Uh, you know, they go there, they, they may be able to find a job in China. They may be able to do good work here. But in many ways, I say especially for the elite university graduates who are in specialized fields, you know, you can't beat uh, the United States or maybe even the UK for job security, good salary. In China, it's always a struggle just because there's so many people waiting in line to take your job. And uh, so that there's more reasons than that, but that's a, a big reason and a big attraction of a country like the United States. And we start with uh, the lady and probably we should uh, wrap it up with the lady. Hanhua, last few words. Yeah, I actually I have a story to share. Uh, two years ago, when my daughter wanted to choose between the domestic department or international department after Zhongkao, after the middle school, and she has her strong opinion to pass Gaokao because she said it was too fierce for her. She's the vulnerable part. She couldn't bear that. So I actually checked with um, my good friend, the, the Zen ambassador to the United States. I said, you know, Two years ago, it was like the most fierce competition between China. Oh, probably down the road, it will be more. But uh, two years ago, it was the Trump administration. It was like the trade war. It was the, the, the highlights of every competition, fierce competition of, between China and the U.S. So at that time, I checked with Ambassador Tsui, and uh, he sincerely told me that, first, you should respect your child's opinion. And uh, but second, if she interested in natural science, both of you need to take a second thought. But if she's interested in liberal arts, in the social science courses, then that's fine. That's uh, the United States. The United States undergraduate education is certainly a very good choice for her uh, instead of the current so many choices in China too. So that was a case, a, a personal story to show that Gaokao certainly in China, it's more personal choices rather than a society pressure. But also, I'm incorporating David's opinion and observation regarding there are so many population in China. So every position, every spot, be it in Gaokao or in a job market, is still very competitive. So I think the country, people also in the country, need to work harder. This is the reality, but to smarter to see whether we can provide ourselves and also help the society to provide more opportunities for people, for ourselves and for people around us. Mm. And on that note, we wrap up today's chat. Many thanks to Hanhua, board member of the China Forum at Tsinghua University, Dr. Liu Baocheng, director of the Center for International Business Ethics, University of International Business and Economics, and David Moser, associate professor, Beijing Capital Normal University, for sharing your experiences and insights with us. You can leave a review for us either on the topic or on the show. Please subscribe to the Chat Lounge for free on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Tuyun. Thank you for listening. See you next time.